Welcome to the Big Self Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Prevost. Hey there. I'm your host, Shelly Prevost. And today we are going to have a little bit of a good time. Let's hope so, because we're talking about play. And Shelly, you know, we have put play as one of our Big Self pillars from the very beginning but I don't think we've done a single episode on it. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I I, uh, I have some thoughts about that. Uh, I'd have to think about it a little bit. We talk about creativity and gratitude, which are, I think we've had podcasts on both of those. Those are yeah. um, tributaries, if you will, of play. But that it's not quite the same thing, is it? No. And for one thing, I think it's hard to really define what mm-hmm. we even mean by play. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's so many variations of play that are so dependent on each person, like your own personal definition. Um, yeah, it's like a moving target too, you know, and I think it's forever changing. Play as a child is different than play as a teenager and an adult. Uh, and I, I, I do think of it more of a process than an outcome or a goal. Exactly. And I think that's the tricky part of it though, too. Yeah. And, to I, add that. and I think that that's why it's so elusive to really define yeah. for adults. Even, you know, even after I actually decided that we are definitely, we need to do an episode on play. I started wondering if this is really something our audience needs or wants. Oh, oh, yes, they do. We do. We talk because <laughs> we're talking about serious stuff on this podcast, right? Stuff that's going to help people in their pain and their crises. And then it hit me that experience is the very process we undergo for years as we're transitioning into adulthood. Okay, you're you're taking it a little bit, going in, veering into serious territory, <laughs> a little seriously here. Um, I guess I would have to say, like play, it can be silly. It is. It can definitely be unproductive, and it, it can be time consuming. And so I think it's all these things that busy mid-career professionals probably struggle with a little bit. Well, I, I like that you're pointing that out. And I think that that's precisely the point. So on today's episode, we are going to do the impossible. We're going to seriously persuade you to play. Okay. This better be fun too. <laughs> Right. Well, before, hey, before we even begin, then let me ask you a question. <laughs> not not you, Shelly, but you out there listening. You can ask me too. I'm, okay. I'll play along. Well, whatever you're doing right now, maybe you're driving. Maybe you're running around doing some errands. Maybe, maybe you're mailing a few postcards to your friends and relatives, running errands, maybe for your wife who wants you to go to the hardware store, sounds familiar, and get that extra gallon of paint you didn't plan for. Maybe you're working out whatever it is I want you to stop right now. Well, don't, don't stop driving, but stop your thoughts wherever they are right now and just run through this little exercise with me. Okay, I'll just do it. This will this will make him feel better. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So, first question: 
Would you agree that making time to play is good? Yes or no? Why or why not? If we say we don't want to play, let's hear ourselves think it through. What do we tell ourselves that playing for an adult is... Why do we tell ourselves that playing for an adult is not a particularly good thing? Like, what are the benefits of not playing? And what does this value do for you? Now, if we say we do want to play, but don't allow ourselves to play nearly as much as we believe we should, what is that about? Hear yourself think it through. Why do you not do what you believe is good for you? And now, and if you're, if you have a coach or a mentor or a teacher, if, if one of them told you to do your version of playing, that they were describing it for your own good, would you do it or would you find a reason not to do it? So that's one thought thread I want you all to puzzle through right now. But if, however, we do say that, yes, we do want to play, and yes, we do allow ourselves to play, how does it work in your life? Do you need support or permission from others to make it happen? Do you play intentionally because you know for for a fact that You do need to, or because you've been inspired to, or maybe you listen to an awesome podcast and now you get it, or do you play and it's not even intentional? Maybe play just happens in your life from time to time. Maybe, maybe a lot and you don't even mean for it to happen. It just does. And do the others in your life like it when you play or do they have no choice? What are the benefits of playing as you experience it in your own life, whether or not you do it intentionally? Okay, so those are a lot of really good questions, but how how are you defining play? Right, right, exactly. Uh, okay, so that thought thread, we can hold that in our heads as we listen to the rest of these ideas. Generally speaking, I would say play is something that's imaginative, self-directed, intrinsically motivated, and guided by rules that leave room for some creativity. Yeah, but here's the tricky part. Okay, so play, it's an activity or experience, yes, and it brings you joy, yes, Uh, But what without having some kind of goal or benefit attached to it, and that honestly is when I think about play for myself, I think that's that's the hard part for me is doing it just for its own intrinsic joy. So like you ride a bike for the fun of it, not because you're trying to lose weight necessarily like that. um, That's an element of play. But here, like you immediately see how this definition is just fraught with issues of adulting, right? Like that's a lot of what I'm hearing about this. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We're, we're always thinking about what yeah. am I going to get out of this? Right. That's right. Like, like even listening to this podcast right now, you're, you're, 
probably listening with something of a purpose and you're, you're asking yourself constantly, why am I listening to this? What am I getting out of this? So the activity for play is that it's needless for some people. Like, I mean, it's knitting. How purposeful can knitting possibly be? Right. It's, Mm -hmm. it's play for others. It might be playing Pickleball, that's getting popular. A lot of people playing pickleball. What, or I think play, according to our definition, could be walking the dog. Maybe, maybe a little. Yeah, maybe. If I can just, I'm going to say this. Um, there's almost this like mistrust of play or like a mistrust of leisure. And I, um, I've, I think it's this, it's a leftover of this kind of puritanic work ethic, which was like, mm. we all had kind of subscribe culturally to this, the, the key to success, um, is through work, not through play. Like, and even like the, this kind of puritanic, um, the Puritan work ethic is, is a lot around salvation. So it's like, it's not even the key to success, but it's almost a salvation or this way to glorify God that if we work hard, that that's the recipe for getting what we want. And so it's almost like we have to turn play into work because we're just so conditioned out of, to have that. Oh, and we do have that work ethic. Yeah. But so, so seriously, as we're seriously considering play let's I mean, is it that important to play as an adult and mm-hmm. i and i will say that we went to a highly credible source to try to answer this question and Stuart Brown, if you've heard of him, Dr. Stuart Brown, and he's written a book called Play He's a psychiatrist. He's founder of the National Institute for Play. If you didn't know that that existed, we've got it in the show note links. He compares play to none other than oxygen. Mm, I love that. He writes, it's all around us, yet goes mostly unnoticed or unappreciated until it is missing. Mm -hmm. Sort of like me with when I go out of town with you, Shelly. As in what, in what way? I go unappreciated or unnoticed until I'm missing. missing. (laughs) Never mind. So when you go out of town without me, when I. Right. Well, that's true. I gotcha. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that's, that's why it's important for us to define what we mean by play. Uh, And again, there's so, there's so much variability in play because my definition of play is going to be very different than yours. You know, that's why we're, yeah, let's nail this down. So a lot of things can constitute play. It can be diversions that, uh, you take when you're making art, Mm -hmm. uh, or you're reading or going to the movies, um, listening to music, you know, true watching comedy. That's been one of my little fun, playful things lately is watching Kevin Hart and the rock. (laughs) <laughs> outtakes. <laughs> I don't know why they crack me up and it's so fun, but it is. Um, and then, so, uh, Dr. Brown also said, uh, one of these very serious authorities on play that we have, <laughs> um, come into contact with, he spent literally decades studying the power of play the power of play, which I think is so great. Like really looking at the value, everyone from prisoners, to who else did he look at? Business people, 
um, artists and even Nobel Prize winners. He has looked at over 6,000 play histories. And yeah, if you're that's, interested that's in this, look, in, look at his book, uh, his book Play. And he's done these case studies, case studies that explore the role of play in each of these persons, their childhood, uh, into their adulthood. And his findings are pretty staggering in terms of how important the role of play is in your life from when you were a child all the way up and through adulthood. And so, um, yeah, he's got some really good stuff. So with all of that said about our definition of play, still, let's face it. Some people find certain kinds of play fun and others would find the same thing a nightmare. Yes, that's right. Yeah, like me trying to take you mountain biking. Case in point. (laughs) Or or, or me doing painting our laundry room. (laughs) Actually. Oh, that's play to you. Okay. <laughs> you actually made you paint our laundry room though. <laughs> right. I had such a good time doing that. So, uh, you know, but so one thing that researchers have helped us understand recently is that there are different kinds of play for different kinds of people. And in turn, you can listen to cool podcasts like the Big Self Podcast and learn exactly what your play type I love this. might yeah. be. Yeah. So uh, Shelly, uh, tell us about this. Like it's, it's a, it's not a huge study, but it's a pretty interesting study, which defines some different categories of yeah. People's approaches to play. Yeah. So this was new to me. And I think it's um, I think it's a really interesting framework to think about how different people play differently. So there's a study published in the Journal of Personality and Individual Differences that identified four different categories of playful types uh, or traits. One is other directed. Uh, two is lighthearted. The third one was intellectual, and the fourth one was whimsical. Okay, so what does that mean? Excuse me, what do those mean? Other directed play is when you enjoy playing with other people. And so I think of like team sports or social events, different things like that that are fun and playful. Lighthearted play generally means you don't take life too seriously. And you like to improvise, you like to be a little spontaneous, um... Yeah, so you could probably take off and go to the beach, like you might be that kind of type of a person, or uh, do something just kind of lighthearted and not have to put too much effort into it. Uh, Intellectual play has to do with ideas and thoughts. So wordplay, problem solving, I might put reading into that category. So anything that really stimulates the mind. Um, that is intellectual play. And then whimsical play players like to do just odd or unusual things in their everyday life. Uh, and this is this one is very far out of my play realm. <laughs> so coming up with even examples, I was like, what would those be? Do you have any ideas for whimsical players? Well, Maybe, I don't know, not exactly, but one thing that's interesting, I think, too, is like maybe we lead with a certain style, but you can have more than one play style, according to this study. So maybe, you know, maybe, Shelly, you can enjoy your dance parties and board games and mountain biking and Wordle and playing the bait. Wait, I'm kind of almost describing me. Yeah, that's all Um, yours. You know, I guess what one I was wondering, speaking of these categories, though, 
what category does the person who likes to like play at gardening fall yeah, under? I mean, what, would that be intellectual, whimsical? Like, I mean, other, I just, anyway. I guess if you garden I, with people, I, I don't know. That gardening, solitary is, not, gardening. is not play for me. Maybe so. it's a combo. Yeah. And there has to be some kind of creative play, though, too. I don't know where that would fit. To me, that's mindful play. Maybe it's gardening. Well, anyway, we- they say that knowing your style, one of these pl- different play styles can help you really figure out which activities you like. And it can also help you eliminate the ones that don't feel like play for you. Right. So finally, then, for our definition of play, we would say (laughs) that play isn't something new that you do. It can be tapping back into something Mm. also that is personal and fulfilling. And one way to do that is to discover or perhaps rediscover what it means for you. So go back to your childhood. What did you enjoy doing? Mm hmm. And how can that form a connection for you right now? I love that idea. And I actually do ask clients that a lot. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And just almost like to tap back into who they really are. So one of the questions I ask is, what was your favorite toy as a child? And that does like open up this kind of a little bit of a space for, um, yeah, like just self-remembering you know, who I was before the world got a hold of me or like what was naturally kind of fun for me that kind of, that gets lost along the way. And, and so for me, when I think about, um, I love dancing, um, you know, thinking about dance parties, uh, not that I have dance parties in my kitchen, but I probably should, like that would probably be really fun yeah. and playful. Um, I loved Barbie. Like that was my big thing was, everything Barbie, Barbie dream house, Barbie dream car, Barbie dream horse. But it's really hard for me to see you. First of all, do play, I guess playing with Barbie so much, but I don't see the, what would be your connection to, to that now? Well, I think the way I see it show up in my life now, at least the way I played with Barbies Mm -hmm. that we had like these kind of epic storylines that I would just in for hours play with, you know, I had probably 20 Barbies and they all wore different clothes and, you know, with the storylines and my sister, she would maybe make it like 10 minutes and then she would be like, peace, I'm going to go ride my bike or whatever. Um, but it was relationships for me, like the play of like, like coming up with these stories and these intricate kind of interconnections of all these characters and the, um, and I would just get lost in coming up with how these relationships manifested as a, you know, in these little Barbie people. Well, I guess when it, when it comes to that, I'm, I loved Star Wars figures and, but it would be more of adventures and like, um, killing bad, the bad guys. <laughs> so the hero. You know, but actually one thing that comes up a little bit later is like unconsciously around, around the fall each each time of year in the fall, I, I, you know, I kind of want to like curl up. I want to watch a creepy movie or read a creepy book Hmm. and maybe play some kind of video games. And I realized that I think, I don't know if it was in high school, but in early college, like that idea of coming back home and just being able just, you're just home. And it, it was around the time of fall when the semester 
concluded and you were just like for about a month, you, you know, in the darkness of a fall and stuff, you were just able to reconnect with feeling home. And, and I don't know, maybe that's an unconscious way that I feel kind of connected to a kind of a play. It's a little bit seasonal, mm-hmm. but so let's get all the way back to what is it that we really learn from playing? Mm. Yeah. And here's a serious one, Shelly. I'm going to just start us off. Go for improved it. stress management <laughs> and an improvement in our overall well-being. See, I told you we were going to try to walk the fine line between play and having a purpose. You know, but seriously, you know, as you know, so I took a couple of days this this past weekend and went to a beautiful park, took our trailer there, and I had two nights of just playing disc golf, mountain biking, hiking with you all, and you know, and reflecting. And I have just come back. Speaking of overall well-being and reduction of stress, I feel really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If I can geek out for just like a second, because this is. Um I think this is really important that one, it does kind of energize, it activates, if you will, your parasympathetic nervous system, which we need the rest and digest um, element of our kind of human functioning. I want to say this too. There's a theory called the broaden and build theory. So typically what happens in stress, obviously, is that you, um, your amygdala kicks in, you have a fight or flight or freeze or fawn response and you're dealing with whatever's right in front of you, right? So it's like you have this very limited repertoire of of actions you get to pick from because it's about survival. It's about like pick these like either run, fight, stay where you are, play dead. Like, you know, you have these very limited responses. What play does and a lot of positive experiences and positive emotions is it broadens your responses. It gives you many, many more options of how, like when you're in a, a flow state, when you're in a gratitude state, when you're in a play state, you're not hunkering down and just surviving. You're actually moving into the capacity, the skill building to flourish, to have a lot more options at your disposal. And that's where um, we know from research is the birthplace of a lot of innovation. And so we have to get out of this just constant stress response, the fight or flight, and move into um, these positive emotions and experiences if we want to be creative and innovative and flourish. And one of the ways we do that is through play. It's almost like it's forcing us um, sometimes because I'm I'm one of those people that has to be forced to play sometimes. Yeah, you are. And I mean, I have to. You you more so than me. Yeah. Yes. And but it 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 is helpful for me to remember that play is a is a part of not only my flourishing um, but also my creativity. And so I'm gonna I'm going to be more innovative and creative. 
and how I think about the work we're doing or how I want to show up with clients or the book I want to write. If I'm, it's like the pathway, it's the portal to being, um, to dealing with my stress, but also to being more creative. Well, I love that you said that, and that was a great geek out, and it was Not a too great geeky, is it? no, and it was a great transition to number two, which is play helps you lighten up on yourself. So I, yeah. I actually I tell people to actually write down what your inner critic is saying to you. And mm-hmm. write down all the thoughts that come up. It could be you're a loser. You'll never be a writer. Everyone hates your guts. You're an imposter, whatever it could be. Write it all down and then look at it and ask yourself, is, is any of this actually true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or is it just a scared little kid in me trying to protect myself? And so our inner critic is, as you're saying, it's this survival mechanism that buffers ourselves from failure because failing feels bad. So our inner critic discourages us from doing things that feel silly, uncomfortable, or risky. Might, it might risk rejection. Yeah. And I think that's for a lot of people. It keeps us kind of towing the line. So, yeah. yeah and, you know, and to, and to back up that point, Kristen Neff, who we occasionally refer to, she's a self-compassion researcher. She has said, don't beat yourself up for beating yourself up. <laughs> and we need to learn to make friends with our inner critic. I, I really like that. I do too. So that exercise is a good first step uh, for us to be lightening up on ourselves and encouraging us to play. Yeah. It's similar. I think of it similar to meditation in that it helps you focus on where you're at in that moment. And it helps you reset this, your the busy, perpetually exhausted adult mind. Like it is a really good kind of counter to how we normally move through our lives. You know, we spend, as adults, we spend a ton of time ruminating. Like we're constantly thinking and then we're thinking about what we're thinking about. Uh, Yeah. So this is kind of a a new one, right? This is number three. Yeah. That that play can connect you. It's similar to this idea of meditation. Yeah. I think it just kind of, it takes you out of that worry mindset that we all kind of get stuck in like did mm-hmm. I did I lock my door did I turn off my crock pot um for anybody that's watched this is us <laughs> that's a thing now <laughs> okay if there's yeah. a house fire from not turning off the crock pot anyway well you're right you're absent to this point is my know, son okay in college like it just doesn't stop right that's right and sometimes it's really hard for us to just come down and just be present right what many of us, some of us struggle with that more than others, but so play literally, it's incredible, but it's, it's like forces you to be in the moment because you're, you're focused on that activity. I, I love that mm-hmm. about play. Yeah. And I think for people like me, that it's, it's just really hard. And I have several clients who are like, my, my work is my play. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was going to save that question for later. I was okay. going to pose that to okay. you. Okay, we can save that. But um, it is, I mean, this is, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like listening to us and I'm hearing all this and I really do believe it. I really do. 
but in practice, it is so hard. That is why I opened up with those very questions. Yeah, and I really yeah. do think it, it's partly the inner critic or I've, as I've heard you talk about before, the inner drill sergeant, because mm-hmm. I do have this strong belief of this work ethic. The only way I'm going to get where I want to go is through hard work. Yes. And so play feels like the inverse of that. And so like, or at least I have some belief that it's the inverse of that. And so this is really good information for me to keep working on and with that it's actually part of the process of getting me to the success. It's not keeping me from it. And that's just, um, that is just a a belief that I'm just going to have to keep working with. Cause I think there is some deeply subconscious like programming in me around that, um, that I think this is just, it's really good for me to to hear this. I think maybe therein lies the answer to that opening question of why haven't we done an episode on play? Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. But yeah. you know, I think one other idea that we want to share here about what play does for you is it gives you permission to feel joy alongside all the negativity that may be all around. It is all around. Just tune into the news for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. I love this uh, quote by Jean Piaget, who studied a lot of play in children um, and, and really kind of mapped the education system in a lot of ways um, that we know today. So he says, play is the answer to the question, how does anything new come about? And I love that. I love this idea that we can get mired down in all the negativity. We can get mired down in like kind of habitually the way we go through life. And so to have these moments of kind of getting out of ourselves, getting out of our egoic states is really how how we can experience anything new, new emotions, new relationships, new um, thoughts, like new creative ways of thinking about things. Um, right. I mean, yeah. let's just look at, let's let, let's look to kids. They're excited all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think that, that that can help us tap into that really positive energy. Okay. But so let's think about this for a minute. So you're being really open and honest about how you feel some resistance when it comes to play. And I think under you've, you've talked about, there's this puritanical mindset, which I, I think is really appropriate and interesting to bring into the conversation because ultimately it comes down to feeling like play. It's like play feels like a luxury, right? Yeah. It's like we. It's like most of us. If you're, feel, priv- it feels very privileged. Oh yeah. yeah. Like if you're feeling resistance, you're thinking, oh, most of us, you know, don't have the time, the luxury to be able to play. It's hard. It's hard to find extra time in our super packed schedules. Can I just say the side note here? Yeah. Because I think I think a lot of it for me is around pr- the pride of my personality structure, because it's like I don't need to play. Oh, like you need to play. Oh, like right. there's that. I don't have needs like that. Like oh, right. I, you know, so I think there is, um, you know, look at me, look how high capacity I am and how hard I work. 
So, so yeah, play is a little, you know, the, the kind of, there's a, there's the juvenile, juvenile quality to it or the childlike quality. And so my pride, my ego, the pride wants me to believe and then portray to everybody else that I don't need that. I came back from mountain biking, for instance, a couple of weeks ago and I, I'm feeling so good and I've had all these awesome thoughts out in nature and I come back upstairs (laughs) and I'm like, hi, how you doing? And you're like, still working. <laughs> and it was, it was Saturday. Uh, <laughs> you literally said that. So, um, so anyway, what yeah. I want our whole audience, including possibly Shelly to be getting out of this episode is I want you to change how you think about play unless mm. maybe up above you said, yes, I do play and I am intentional about it. But I'm glad, you know, at least maybe though, at least recognize that there might be other people who have to adjust for you to be able to play. I think there's that can happen as well. Hmm. But I think most people are not finding enough time to play and that it can enhance your life and your effectiveness so it's important for all aspects of our lives and it, it, it'll help you be more creative. It will help your joy and your energy for relationships mm-hmm. by giving yourself permission to play. Mm-hmm. And just to be a less, you know, more uninhibited. I think about that. We have, we have some suggestions. Do you want to talk about our suggestions for helping people get into play a little bit? Sure. I came up with one that might work for some couples, although I do not think this would work for you and me. And (laughs) (laughs) I've tried this before and you're like, "Uh uh-uh. Okay. And that is read aloud to your partner. But I I would say read read aloud to your partner, preferably something funny or at least something you know they're going to enjoy or you could enjoy together. Can we just say share with your partner? Because I do. I share Kevin Hart and rock videos with you all the time. Which I, I know that I like that. That is play. And I, and I, I'll occasionally share like the funny cat video with you. Yeah. So sharing something funny with your partner. Um, I like this one. Surround yourself with playful people. I like that one too. Yeah. That's probably, that's probably a really good one for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. I so, think I mean, intentionally kind of think like who are the kind of fun people in your life that help you feel a little lighter right? and l- a little less serious. Yeah. So number three would be play with little ones, play, play with your kids and just ex- let yourself just experience the magic of play through their perspective. I think that's probably on, in some unconscious way why we all have kids or why anybody decides to have kids <laughs> because it is this gives hmm. ourselves permission to be a child again and to be playful. I would also add play with animals. I think that's one of the things for me that our dog does for me. Um, Being around horses like brings out this totally childlike wonder for me. Um, And I think part of that is because I, I was, I rode horses when I was younger. So yeah, I think I would add play with little ones and play with animals that will help um, get into that a little bit. Those are great. And this has been a fun episode. I think what we want to leave you with as you're listening here is that it's just the overall idea that play is not 
necessarily a retreat from work. Mm-hmm. It is necessary in its own right, and you deserve to play. All right. I want you listening right now, probably who hopefully paused for a little while running your errands or working out. I want you to know that you deserve to have some joy in your life, some spontaneity, some of the presence that comes from when you just are in the middle of play. It has its own intrinsic value. It engages you. It, do, it is not a distraction from life. It's a part of your life. And it makes you more aware of your humanness and the gift of your life. So the choice is yours, but we hope that you will choose to be light to play. And if you want to check out a little bit more of what we've got going on, I did a lot of research for this episode and we have, there's studies, books, journals, literally some journals and and other organizations related to play. If you want to check it out. And if you're going to dig that deep into the show notes while you're there, why not hit that little five-star review button right there on your Apple iTunes account? We wouldn't hold it against you. And then I'll leave with this. A quote from Dr. Brown in the book of play says, play is the purest expression of love. And so as you you leave today, go in love and go in play.